Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hello, good night. This is You'll Die Trying. I'm Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. And we have a guest in the studio. Yes, we do. For those of you who participated in the Who's the Lucky Avid podcast listener, thank you for your participation yes. in the contest. The winner of that contest, the most avid listener who <laughs> has, and it has been recorded by the Guinness Book of World Records, has sure. listened to every episode 2,323 times <laughs> is Mike Gross. Welcome, Mike, to the studio. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, what? Mike Gross. You're such a funny guy. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, do you have any uh, nicknames? Uh, yes. Smokey is what my friends call me. Why do you have the nickname Smokey? Uh, that goes back to college when I was in my fraternity and I was the only one in the fraternity that smoked. So Smoked what? Yeah, uh, it was legal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tobacco. Tobacco, okay. yes. Okay, Smokey. Yeah, and my roommates were Mopey and Dopey, so it, it all rhymed. Smokey, Mopey, and Dopey. Yes, yes. Nathan, do you have a nickname? Natmo. For Nathan Morris? Nathan, yeah, N-A-T from Nathan, M-O from Morris, from the late it. Mojo Hollowell, who gave me that nickname. Okay. Coach. Oh, Mojo. Yeah. Well, that's sweet. God rest his soul. Natmo? Natmo. People call me that all the time. I might start that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Um, yes. Thank you for asking. Yeah, sure. I, uh, What's your... I do have a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a self-imposed one. Uh, I was in, I believe it was the eighth grade, and I decided I wanted a nickname because some of my friends had them. I thought they were cool. But I wasn't cool enough for someone to give me one because I think that's how you get one. You don't ever give it yourself. Kind of like grandparents. You can say you're going to be named a certain way, but it's not until the kid mumbles something and that becomes your name. Barbie. So mine is, uh, <laughs> mine is Mosquito. You nicknamed yourself Mosquito. It's embarrassing, really? but I've promised 100% authentic vulnerability I mean, in this episode. Like, kind of like, can you theologically suspend the truth on that? Wow. You sound like Immanuel Kant. No, I sound like Dr. Jonathan Eric Carroll. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> the, the problem was I just, I wanted a, uh, a fun nickname and uh, I couldn't think of one. And that's what I ended up choosing. And I didn't choose it until I was signing people's yearbooks. And so... Now people look back at the yearbooks and they see someone named Mosquito and they have no idea <laughs> no who it was. And uh, I'm sorry to all of my former uh, classmates um, for that uh, momentary lapse in judgment. But the nickname, yeah, it didn't stick. No one calls me Mosquito. Dr. Mosquito, that's your new name? So anyway, Mike Gross, welcome to uh, welcome to this fifty sixth episode. Is it fifty six? Yeah, sorry, mm -hmm. is, is it? <laughs> yes. See, because okay. he's the most avid listener. That's so true. Two thousand. How many times? Three hundred and twenty eight. And in all seriousness, thank you. Yes, thank that, you. For well, being here. and thank you for that fifty dollars to get me to listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> each, each episode. <laughs> each thank time. you for listening. That means a lot. It no, really does. No, thank I do you. enjoy it it's, sincerely. I mean, that says a lot because you're a really bright guy and you have a lot of podcasts that you like, and it, that means a lot. So thank you so much. So uh, Mike is a uh, an engineer, yes. a metallurgical engineer, yes, with a bachelor's and a master's of science in metallurgical engineering from the Missouri University of Science and Technology, yes. otherwise known as as the MIT of the West or RALA, mm -hmm. because it's in RALA, Missouri. 
So, you know, smart cookie. Um, Nathan. Don't be coming to me after that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have an thought, associate's degree in mortuary science. Dude, that's wonderful. Yeah, no, yeah it is. Nothing it's great. to shake a stick at. I, I don't think I could do that. So I would like to, uh, Mike, give us a sense of, uh, before we kind of jump into the conversation for the day, give us a little bit about uh, what your life looks like. What, what makes you tick? What I, what I most want to do um, as far as in my career, um, two things. Number one is I, I want to see local businesses succeed. Um, there's a lot of manufacturing in this area, and that's my background is in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to see a lot of healthy manufacturing in this area. Uh, the other thing is I, I do a lot of work with the universities, particularly with Western Kentucky University, mm -hmm. and I very much enjoy that interaction, and that really is the future. Um, and, and so um, whether that's uh, talking with the students one-on-one, -on -one, advising, uh, talking about the curriculum, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's the things that I'm really focused on in my career. Good stuff. So you're on the board uh, is it the alumni board at Western Kentucky? No, it's it's actually the Ogden College Advisory Board. Advisory Board. That's yes. What it is. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for your service to that. Yeah, thank you. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. My mind's blown already. I just, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to paint the picture here. You got two brilliant human beings over here. I'm going to sit over here and just color in my <laughs> little coloring book while they discuss. I had a client today who had socks that you color in. Now that's cool. They but, were like candy canes and snowflakes. Did they have them really colored in? They one of them was colored and the other one wasn't. Isn't that sweet? That is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd like to have a bow tie I could color, <gasps> and then wash out, and then do it again, and then do it again based yeah. upon how you feel. I could sit in meetings. I don't think you should do it while you're in a meeting. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I've been thinking a little bit recently, gentlemen. And by the way, let me just say how cool it was to see you two guys, um, what, what you might thought was meeting and only for Mike to tell Nathan that he had seen Nathan and heard Nathan sing at a mm -hmm. camp. Yes, some, several years ago. Some uh, 30, 40 years ago. Not that, not that 42 long ago. years ago, I was negative, however <laughs> yeah. old. It's that embryonic uh, yeah, yeah, choir camp. Absolutely. <clears throat> but anyway, that was pretty cool <laughs> to see you guys get reacquainted. But as we uh, jump into this, I've been thinking a little bit about... Um, the role that uh, ambiguity plays in uh, in leadership. So let me flesh that out a little bit. A lot of people operate in the world as if it's black and white, as if there are um, rights and wrongs. There are goods and bads. There are safes and there are dangerouses. And sometimes that's true. Mm -hmm. I always think of the poor person um, who wore a long tie to work uh, in front of this big machine to warrant having a sign that has a stick figure that says no long tie around this machine, you know, like something bad had to happen, I guess, and you're a manufacturing guy, you know how important, first of all, safety first, right? Oh, absolutely. Practice safety practices or you'll die trying. Um, so I think it's important uh, to recognize that, yes, there are sometimes some, some rights and wrongs. There are some clear blacks and whites. At the same time, there is a lot of ambiguity, what some people might call gray area. There is uh, room for discernment. And that, this is where critical complex thinking comes into play. Leaders, I think, are brought into space, ambiguous spaces every day. 
uh, an employee comes and they uh, they want to um, take some PTO, um, some some time off, paid time off, or uh, somebody um, wore something to school and it's uh, it's right at the kind of dress code limit, and the assistant principal in charge of that has to kind of deal with that. There's constant barrage of decisions that come to leaders. And I don't think that all of those decisions are easily made. Many of them uh, are in the swamp of ambiguity. And I personally believe that it's one of our most important human goals is to become comfortable in ambiguity, but I don't think a lot of people are. I wondered if you two would talk a little bit about how you've encountered ambiguity in your leadership roles that you've played, Nathan, in your work as it continues to expand and you acquire and this this is growing. And Mike, in your work in uh, upper and senior level uh, management positions and in, in, in multiple companies, what do y'all what do y'all experience about ambiguity, and what's it mean for you to be a leader in the midst of ambiguity? Well, for me, when you when you talk about ambiguity, there are some black and whites, in my opinion. Uh, when you talk about regulation, yep. okay, that that to me is a, a clear black and white. Like it or not, um, you have uh, now you you step down a notch. Something like a company policy, okay, mm-hmm. does that need to be enforced one hundred percent? That's where we start getting into the ambiguity because there are some circumstances that arise up periodically that are not adequately addressed necessarily mm-hmm. than what I've seen. So in yeah, those cases- You can't make a policy for everything. No, you can't. And so in those cases, it, it does require a little bit of additional discussion uh, amongst either managers or with a, with a larger team. And go further down, most of the decisions that I would make are what I would call in the ambiguity, you know, in the ambiguous. So mm-hmm. you, you just really listen to your team, get a lot of input, and finally make, you know, listen to the recommendations and finally make a decision. I think that is a um, description of leadership that works so well in the 21st century. And I bet our fathers and our father's fathers did not encounter a kind of leadership like that all the time because oftentimes it's kind of a from the top down hierarchical method as opposed to flat world, let's work together, collaborate, literally work with one another to come up with policies that work. Instead, it was, here's what we say, do it or you're gone. Uh, it's a very different world. No, that's and, and the most effective leadership, it's not, uh, some people, uh, especially young people in my experience, they think that leadership is giving instructions, giving directions. There has to be some of that, but by and large, it's listen to your team, listen to the recommendations, and then make that decision, and and also explain your thinking. Yeah, all very important. And it doesn't the decision doesn't have to reflect the thinking of the group, obviously, because it no, can't all the no. time. Because you're still the leader, right? Exactly. Um, which is different from being in other circles where you want to gather people to be a group of all leaders. Like for instance, one of the things I get to do is is facilitate groups and group process for therapeutic purposes and. I don't want to come into that and be the expert in the room. I'm not, I'm never going to be. Uh, I, I want to facilitate a group of all leaders where everyone comes in with their own life and life story, their own grief and process, and they know best what it means to be them. They know how to carry what they're carrying, and I'm not here to tell them what, that what they're doing is right or wrong. They, there is no right or wrong. That's, that's the key. I mean, when it comes to something like grief or pain or sadness, there's no right or wrong. There's what you're experiencing is very personal. And I want people to be leaders. I want it to be a group of all leaders so that if I'm not there, and this happens sometimes, if I get hung up and I come in late, the group will be already in process. I just come in and sit down and and eventually I start facilitating, but I don't have to. They've got it. They're a group of all leaders. In another context, like um, a manufacturing facility or plant, mm-hmm. in 
uh, a series of multiple locations of funeral homes like you, Nathan, uh, are owning and operating, there has to be more specific leadership coming from you. But there's still wisdom to collaboration mm-hmm. and policy formation, right? Yes, and, and not every decision requires such a collaboration, yeah. obviously. right? It's just some of the more complex ones. It's always good to get that input, number one, to, to, help, to help the leader make the best decision. Mm-hmm. But then number two is that leader is not going to be the leader forever. Yeah. So how do you develop the people underneath you? And in order to do that, you need to challenge them to do their own thinking before you just say, oh, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Cut them off. So constant succession planning, really. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. We're all just interims. Yes. It's true to think that way. That's humbling. Yeah, it really is. Two things. One, one of the ambiguous, this is really odd, but new market that we're in, I was told not to wear a suit. Yes. Tell tell this. You don't have to disclose, but just talk about what that means for what, you. Because you every day you wear a suit at a, at a funeral home. It's like black, gray, or dark navy. Which suit am I going to wear today? You know, white shirt, tie with stripes that are customarily diagonal, regimental. Have, yep, I kind of do, but it's yeah. You have a tartan on yeah, today. Yeah. Uh, we got a new location end of last year, and I was advised when I came in, whatever you do, don't wear a suit, except on funeral days. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Apparently, this whole come-as-you-are jeans and a T-shirt is totally fine and good enough. So what I've done is I've actually continued to wear the suit. I take my, keep my jacket off, and then I say I'm wearing this outfit for them, for your loved one, and they appreciate that. So then that takes down any wall that they may have because apparently it creates this sense of um, separation between me and them. A lot of you know really... Um, hardworking farmers, farming community. And I, I admire that and appreciate that. That's something where I have a dress code here. It's like suit, your pin, your name tag. But that's when I have to be like, okay, you don't have to wear your jacket to that market. Yeah. There's that. And then you said, uh, you know, we're all just, it's a constant succession plan. There's, mm. You know, there's uh, ran into an instance last week where someone on our team, someone that's very vital was offered a job at another place and they said they really wanted to stay and I was like well wait a second first off um, are we holding you back and that was hard for me to say to them because I want someone to excel so Mm -hmm. well that they're just like launching into you know Mm -hmm. the next stratosphere yeah that's the word Uh, and and they said no they that we weren't they wanted to stay Mm. so I gave them a raise and they stayed (laughs) they were gonna stay anyway right I hope so but but that's a way yeah I think it's showing it's showing commitment to and mm-hmm. her, and you know them committing to us continuously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just think the that whole uh, constantly um, working with and creating leaders and and people who are going to succeed you and how do you experience that running into um, policy making because your team is in multiple locations, which is true of a, a large corporation, obviously, oh, yeah. where they have people not only in the region, but internationally in multiple continents, which is, that's a whole other ballgame, really, right? But yes. how do you deal with trying to equip people for leadership while maintaining your role as the leader? Empowering uh, thinking and independence and collaboration while at the same time maintaining that position of authority, which is by nature and, and birthright yours. I compare it to 
maintaining a fire. You know how yeah. you have to constantly stoke, stoke and it and poke it, and that's funny. You, have you ever noticed in the podcast when you listen to them, like we finish each other's sentences? It's yes. Sometimes it's kind of it's kind of sweet and cute. You're my studio husband. We are. We're studio spouses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I like that better because it's alliterated it's, for our listening pleasure. Correct. A studio spouse. A studio spouse. Well, I think it's kind of that of a of a fire. Mm-hmm. You know, you're constantly having to 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 baby it. Essentially, that's probably a terrible word because we look at it in a negative way, but. We're, we're having to nurture. Ten, yeah, tend there to There we it. go. Tend mm-hmm. to this fire. And yeah. you get to walk away for a little bit, and then, then you know the flame dwindles a little bit, so then you walk back over to it with another log, and you get it on there, and you get to, you know, your kindling going. I mean, it's just, that's what I compare it to. Yeah. it's. I don't want to say it's exhausting, because I really enjoy it. I like being the guy that can go and chop down the tree and get the logs ready for the fire. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of... That's a good image. Yeah. I like the analogy. Thank you. Mike, uh, and, and so this is interesting. So Mike, Smokey, um, Stokey, Smokey, when you're... <laughs> Stokey, Smokey. Nice. Um, nice. Which is different than Pokey, Smokey. But I want to uh, ask you, at your at the height of the largest volume, how many people would you say you were overseeing? The, the site where I was working as 700 people. <laughs> okay. And so you, as in an executive senior leadership position, yes. had basically generalized oversight over 700 people. Yes. And then, Nathan, you're at uh, knocking on the door of 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, you know, I'm an army of one. You are. Yeah. So here we have three levels, because uh, I still have to practice leadership, mm-hmm. right? Because there are, there are many me's. Many, not many. Many me's. There, there's the me who wants to knock off in the afternoon and um, then there's the me who wants to get up special early and go in and do some writing. And then there's the me there. So I'm still, I still have to practice leadership in my own life, just the way all of us do. But it's interesting that we have these three kind of diverse levels of employee uh, to employer ratio, but we all have the same task, mm-hmm. which is to figure out what leadership means. When you hear the word leadership, both of you, it doesn't matter who goes first. What does the word mean to you? What does that word mean, leadership? Hmm. I'm going to say example, just a solid, um, steadfast, mm-hmm. sure like the, I picture a statue, not a statue in the sense of like this boring, like I'm going to be stuck here, but yeah. you know, they're larger than life yet relatable in okay. different ways. Mm-hmm. A cuddly right. statue. Like a what? A, a cuddly, cuddly statue. statue. A cuddly. Oh, mm. I like those. I, I There's the statue of the older man and woman um, that I think was uh, purchased and donated by um, by maybe the um, Bill Jago, friend of ours, I think, here in Owensboro in Davis County, on the Davis County Courthouse lawn. Have you all seen it? Uh, on the north side? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh, north side. And it, it always makes me want to go and sit next to them and just cuddle up. That's sweet. Very hard and cold. So that's my that's my picture. Okay. How about you? First word that popped in my mind is integrity. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, very very important. Why wasn't that the first word that came to our minds? Because we have none. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so integrity. So you, for you, a leader is someone who is integral in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Not only having personal moral fortitude, but also who is able to integrate. Yes, both. Yes. Different peoples, diverse, uh, well, diverse backgrounds and educations. I mean, I bet it's interesting for you going in and being in upper level management, but walking through a lobby where there's a bunch of people who are looking for jobs who are 
you know, maybe covered in various forms of artistry, mm-hmm. tattoos and piercings. Exactly. Um, and uh, they may be looking for a job. They may or may not want to work. And so you're trying to blend these personalities with various management styles and make products and ship them worldwide. And like that, I'm sure it, that, that particular part in your always evolving career was challenging. Yeah, well, sometimes you just, I've had to learn over the years, you know, the, the initial shock when you see what you just described. Yeah. You have to look past that. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, everybody's, everybody deserves respect. We're all the same. That's right. We, you mentioned that, and I thought you did so eloquently when you're talking about Elon Musk and, and, and yourself and how really we're all, whether you have 50,000 employees or 50, we're all doing the same thing. Right. Putting, as my dad used to say, putting our pants on one leg at a time. Exactly. Just like everyone else. Interesting. So what do you think is the, uh, what do you think is most at risk right now as you all both experience leadership uh, and you're reading about leadership? What, what's at risk in the 21st century with, with leadership? What, what are the pitfalls that nobody's talking about? I sometimes worry that leaders get too wrapped up in the uh, short term as opposed to the long term. Uh, that could be, you know, like ne- meeting next quarter's goals, meeting, you know, the next happier goals versus the long game. And especially when you when you, you know, we're not a, a publicly traded company, but you look at some of the publicly traded companies and some of the decisions that are being made, you know, is that the the stock price is a very high consideration. Mm. I understand that, but is that the best consideration for the long term health of the company? Yeah, Nathan and I struggle with that. As when we we went to uh, when we were at Wall Street, we had the IPO for the podcast, right. and um, it was hard listening to economist really push back on us on our asking price for that that starting <laughs> mm-hmm. um, rate and two cents how not dare not you. not quite not, not quite okay. um, penny stock yeah <laughs> penny stock you get really rich on penny <laughs> really stock can. yeah really yeah. broke really, too really can. You can get broke too exactly <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's uh, sad that people are forgetting about the people mm-hmm. well this is what i wanted to ask you uh, go for it so keep keep going you know, how can I expect my people to take care of the people, the community, if I'm not taking care of my people, mm-hmm. my people? And, and, and that's, oh, go ahead. No, I, I 100% agree. I was nodding my head yes. And, yeah, because that's when, I mean, when you see these two kinds of worlds that, that you two men are in and, and you merge them, you have uh, shareholders and uh, public concerns and international uh, issues and tariffs and all these massive, mind-boggling, I have no idea how to think about it, realities. And then you have a local, relatively local company. Bottom line, but people. How do the larger corporations care for their people? And how do these smaller companies, they're so people-oriented, stay also focused on the bottom line? Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do that. I don't either. <laughs> That's maybe silence answers. <laughs> maybe they don't do it very well. You know, well, I, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that. Um, I, I would like to think that I we do it relatively well. Yeah. Because uh, you always have your hand on the pulse of the people, but also yes, the numbers. And, yeah, absolutely. I do a weekly. I do a weekly, if not just like a daily rundown of our bottom line. But there's definitely a weekly meeting as to what's going on. We have. I'm, I stay abreast of all the financial aspects, but. You know, again, the people, they've got to be trained. 
trained on how to take care of people. They have to be trained, trained to how to present and trained how to lead because mm. in the funerary, I'm using a Dr. Carroll uh, word, funerary, I can't even say The it. funerary. There we go, world. It's the adjectival form of funeral. Yeah, yeah. That he, did you make it up? It sounds like a no. made up word. No, I learned oh. it in Egypt actually. Oh. We went to the Valley of the Kings and we saw King Tut's uh, grave and they were talking about the, the, the funerary uh, surroundings and the bucolic setting hmm. of the, the pharaoh's death places. We need, to get to, we need to get to a point where like if I can't, insert an intelligent word i'll start to talk and then i'll go okay <laughs> all right all right i just have to be watching yeah yes you have to pay attention okay okay i'm, I'm really just looking off into space sleeping <laughs> <laughs> if i were sleeping you'd hear it yeah. ask my wife well that that's that's what uh <laughs> that's what i was i'm thinking about constantly is uh investing in these people and teaching them how to even lead because that's what a funeral director does is they lead. Literally. Literally like it's in lead. The name. It's like, I am going to lead you now. The director. You, you called upon our home. So, yeah, I have to have my hands in both pots. Well, I know that you two men also have a, a heart. Uh, in addition to a mind for business, you have a heart for faith. Not to suggest that faith is not also about the life of the mind. And that leadership also employs the heart. But you're both persons who employ a particular kind of spirituality. So I wonder if, uh, well, let me ask you this. How does your proclivity towards spirituality make you a better leader? And I ask it because the word disciple, to me, has the word discipline. Discipline. Disciple is the root of discipline. And the root of all of that in English would be to follow. And so there's this inherently spiritual component to the idea of leadership. I wonder what that means to you, how you employ it, how you think about it. So it's easy to understand the concept that you've always got to be gracious to the boss. I think some leaders fall short the other direction. But as far as, far as for me, you know, we're all created in God's image. Absolutely. And so the Imago Dei. And, yes. So it's, it's keeping that in mind when you're addressing employees. You know, sometimes you do have to uh, deal with particular issues. Right. Uh, sometimes you just wanna make sure that you say hi to them in the morning or, or greet them, you know, say, say hello. Take the time to just say two or three words to them instead of just walking past them. Yeah. Make, you know, brighten up their day a little bit. And, yeah. it, and I find that it brightens my day as well. That's lovely. So I hear you talking about an embodiment of your spirituality, that it isn't an intellectual assent to a set of ideas like I believe this theologically and I believe this theologically, but instead it's I'm going to embody what I believe so that people don't hear about it, they see it. Show me, don't tell me. Yeah, it gets to be, in our circles, it gets to be a little bit tricky when you have those types of conversations because then yes. that opens up all sorts of possibilities that you may not positive and negative, positive and mm -hmm. negative. So, yes, embody it. Yeah, I, I you think don't that's really accurate. Have to talk about it. When I was growing up, they would say, you know, your life might be the only Bible that it, that somebody ever reads. Yeah, and if that's pretty cool. If asked, I, I don't hesitate to discuss it, but yeah. I, I don't initiate. Right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, How about you? Because I think Nathan, in your context, people are more uh, open about spirituality because a part of your life includes worship, right? even for people who aren't worshiping people, even for gatherings of people who become a community who aren't worshiping communities. Nonetheless, they gather for a, what might be called service, memorial service, funeral service, which is interesting because really 
historically, worship is service. So it's kind of a tautology. To say worship is to say service and to say service is to say worship. So there's no such thing as a service of worship. But nonetheless, it's a part of your life. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like I'm constantly at church. Do you have opportunity to have conversations where people share with you their particular questions, doubts, their wrestlings? Because obviously in my world, especially as I do grief work, you know, there's a lot of emotionality involving God. Where were, where was God? Where were you, God? Um, angry at God, doubtful, you know, Ted Turner. Y'all know Ted Turner, who kind of turned away from God because his sister was killed or died early, uh, young. Um, anger. And you know what? The Christian and Jewish traditions have that built into it. If you read the Psalms, a third of them are Psalms of Lament, mm-hmm. where the psalmists, men and women alike, are praying poems of anger and and resentment and sometimes just downright resignation, which is almost worse, and indifference, which mm-hmm. is the worst, toward God. Even so much as saying, you know, we, we're going to thrash our enemies and take their babies and smash their heads against the rocks. I'm like, that's there. That's in yeah. the text. Where were you, God? Jesus himself prays that prayer while he's dying. Why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Do you encounter people who wrestle with their faith? Are you able to host those conversations in the hallway or in family arrangements conferences sometimes where you're able to lead people that way? I've assisted a family. One really sticks with me is the lady's son died in a car crash in the 80s, and she thought that God forsake, you know, forsake, forsake. Mm-hmm. Sook had forsaken, forsaken, for, had had <laughs> left her, had abandoned her. There we go. And uh, upon her deathbed, her dying wish was that nothing of God to be spoken at her funeral. Yeah. And so the min, but they wanted a minister. So I assisted this family, and we had some incredible conversations that I will, you know, keep continue mm-hmm. to keep confidential. But they still I carry them with me, and that was in 2012. Mm-hmm. That. The, they literally gave him one minute at the cemetery and three minutes at the funeral home for the service mm-hmm. and strict schedule as far as what to say and not to say. So as to honor her wish because of her continued grief from her son dying in 1984 in a car crash. Wow. But to answer that question, yes, I am able to see real human, real human uh, question of, in physical form, if that makes sense. Like sitting around the table, not just the families who have lost somebody to cancer and this progressive, you know, long drawn out process where someone who dies in a car crash at 27 years young and they're sitting there just with their thoughts and they're like, God, what in the heck happened here? I go to church all the time and then they're talking to me about this stuff and I'm able to literally just listen and talk about how much they are loved. Um, I don't try to sway them because that's real could you? I mean, I couldn't imagine that, what they're feeling. But I really do get to hear some very intimate, intimate faith-filled mm. and faithless stories. Well said. And, yep. and if there is a God, God is in both of those kinds of conversations. In, in that room at that moment, mm-hmm. 100%, without a shadow of doubt. Wow. And that's what I meant when I said I'm constantly at church is I'm literally constantly at church. Yeah. I have to be, you know, not at well, the physical like, yeah, mass brick and mortar, brick and mortar, right. and I'm literally in church. Well, church was never intended to be a place. It was always a people. Community of people. Yeah. So, uh, ecclesia, from which we get the word church, because in Spanish it's iglesia, iglesia, 
from the Greek, which means uh, those called out. Ekkaleo, uh, those people who are called out, gathered up to be the spiritual community, as Martin Luther King called the beloved community. That's church. So when I was in youth group, we had T-shirts that said, don't go to church on the front. And on the back, it said, be the church. Nice. A little bit of a shtick there. But yeah, it was. I think there's, you know, a little kitschy, but it's still true. Don't go, be. And I think that uh, that's a helpful way of thinking about it. And I think it's true of leadership. I think there's a lot of talk about leadership these days. And there's not a lot of doing. People love the title. Yeah. Yeah, we run into those people. Yeah. They love the title. Oh, they, would, yeah. they literally would spend more time figuring out what their title should be than actually doing, doing. what the job requires. Right. That's amazing. Yes. That was good, guys. So I'm going to uh, pivot for a minute and talk about something a little bit more serious, and that is um, Mike's addiction to sports. Oh. So tell us what you enjoy doing in your off time. Oh, in my off time? Yeah. Uh, number one sport is baseball. Okay. Favorite yes. team? St. Louis Cardinals. Favorite player? Uh, I would say it's Yachty. Really? Yes. Okay. Not yeah. Carpenter. No, that's that my uh, better half's favorite. Okay. So, Nathan, you like Carpenter? <laughs> I like that. That's sweet. <laughs> that's not my better half. <laughs> Carpenter. Uh, when I went to my first Car- uh, Cardinals game with Joy, um, it was for my birthday, and she said, go in the... The, the the team store and get a jersey, which that's just so fun, you know. Yes, she's so sweet. We went to a Knicks game recently. She's like, go in buy there. one for eight hundred dollars because you're there. You know what I mean? Yes, you don't. It's like going to a concert. I'll have that one hundred and fifty dollar t shirt. <laughs> so she's like, go in the Knicks store and get. No, babe, I can't do that. It's just it's expensive. And so anyway, she told me to go in the Cardinal store, and I was like, well, we I know we'll be back. And I and I I, I mean I think baseball jerseys are awesome. Anyway, yeah, much better than basketball jerseys. Even better than football jerseys, of which I have Russell Wilson's from the Seattle Seahawks. But anyway, I got the choice, and I didn't have a Cardinals player that I knew because I, w- I wasn't a follower of the Cardinals because I grew up watching and, and enjoying the Yankees. Mm. Don't tell Mike. Oh, man. What? <laughs> so anyway, I picked out one based on my wife's maiden name. Her maiden name is Carpenter. And so I got number 13, Carpenter. And... um Went out and kind of surprised her with that. And then, come to find out, that guy's really good. Oh, he's very good. <laughs> very handsome. Oh. That's what your better half? That's what, Yes, my better half would you agree like, with that comment. Nathan, you do think he's Yes, good? absolutely. And he's a great player. Third base, right? Third base now, yes. Okay, that's good. This All is right. the most Dr. Carroll's spoken of sports in forever. Nathan, what's your favorite sport? My favorite sport? If I had to choose, I guess I'll say football, because I played it. You did? What was your position? I was a kicker. Could have gone to college. Chose music. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was the, yeah. Kicker. I was the guy that just kicked. Field goal or, or punting? I was extra point, field goal, kickoff. I was not a punter. Okay. I, that was Greg. He was very good. I could not punt. Okay. I actually gave up my position to Greg because I said he was better than I, and the team needed him. First of all, impeccable grammar skills just now. Well done. Oh. And <laughs> such a sign of, of humility. On your part. <clears throat> what I, I, school were you going to kick at? Well, I could have gone to uh, 1A, D1A, mm-hmm. or walked on at UK, or Eastern Kentucky University, Western Kentucky University. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mike, did you ever think about playing sports? Do they have sports at Rolla? Yes, they have sports. Uh, I would like, say uh, the, the football team this past year was, was very good. They actually okay. went 
it's a Division two school. Okay, uh, and they wow. actually went. They actually went to. A, they, they actually have Division two bowls. I didn't yeah. realize that, but they went to a bowl game this year. I didn't know they had that either. I didn't. Yeah. So, but uh, the the sports are are adequate. I mean, they have plenty of teams, but yeah. the the I would say the swimming um, team has probably been the most successful for the school. Why do y'all think there is such an impetus toward sports? Why is it that sports have the power in people's lives that they have? Well, look at what's going on right now with the uh, basketball tournament, right? So as we record, we're in the middle. Uh, we're yeah. kind of at the front middle yeah. of March Madness, the NCAA yeah. men's basketball tournament. And, and it's always men's sports. Why? That's another question. But what do you think? It, what? How does it draw people together? Because it also pushes people apart. Oh, absolutely. There are houses divided. <laughs> well, <laughs> really are. UK yeah. and U of L, that's yeah. one example. That's in my house. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Well, well, yeah, my, my, my youngest daughter went to Louisville and, and two, of my, two of my four went to UK. What to do? But it's a lot of fun to listen I, to them. It's just such a powerful force in our culture. And there is conversation about NFL owners who may be engaged in some misdeeds and what will the league do or not do uh, about owners who engage in those misdeeds. There was an NBA team owner who had been recorded saying some very um, uh, scandalous and racist epithets, and the league kind of clamped down on him and forced him to sell his his team. I mean, th- th- there's just so much. Sports is not about entertainment anymore to me. How much do they make uh, the NCAA tournament and, and just the tournament? Isn't it oh. like a billion or 500 million or something crazy in just a short is. amount of time? I can't imagine. Student athletes. <laughs> but even people who don't follow it or get involved, they fill out their brackets. Everyone does. Yeah. Every, yeah. I have not. I didn't. Yeah. Did you? I filled out one. Did it do? Is it doing well? Um, I lost the Louisville game, and that's the only one I've lost so far. Louisville, Minnesota, wow. where yeah. Rick Patino's son, Richard, Richard yeah. beat L while Rick is in Athens celebrating his Greece win. Yep, I've, I've had a, a, a very good run so far this year, but that'll fall apart tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I just I think it's, it's very interesting. And um, who's this baseball player uh, who plays for the Angels? Who just got the four hundred and thirty oh, million um, twelve year contract? The guy with the nice beard. Does he have a beard? Uh, Everyone think... has a beard, so I'm gonna just say he has a beard. Uh, trout. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Two thirds yeah. of men have beards. So. I'm gonna Google it. I don't. That's the two of us do though. So uh, yeah, Mike Trout, youngest player, biggest sports contract in all sports. He doesn't mm-hmm. have a beard. Four hundred and thirty million in twelve years, not. which is what about thirty six million a year before yeah, taxes. A lot. You're probably thinking of Bryce Harper. That well, was the other big contract this year. Anyway, I just think sports are kind of crazy right now, mm. and um, I, I think it, it's 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 fun and it brings people together, and I love that. And then it also become it brings out the worst in people. I mean, have you seen these uh, recent stories about, particularly because of the proximity, NBA players with fans, and they're you know the fans are yelling terrible things and the players are yelling things back and they're getting fined and fans are getting kicked out and it's like what are but what are we here for like it's supposed to be something that brings us together exactly it's be fun why yeah. can't it be like fireworks we're all looking in one direction we're ooing and awing and no one's mad at anybody until they tip over and shoot you in the face <laughs> 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 well enough about your personal experience with fireworks <laughs> Well, Saturn missiles will get you every time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Well, I'm grateful to you, uh, Smokey Gross. Thank You're you. a good man. And uh, I'm grateful for the uh, uh, level of integrity and craftsmanship and leadership you've brought to uh, your world, both professionally and personally, and for your spirituality, for your sense of humor. Uh, very grateful for you. And thank you for being uh, our first listener guest. Yes, thank you for having me. Really, really I've enjoyed it. That's neat. That's neat. Yeah. I'm happy. So uh, if we have all of our listeners um, to be guests on our show, um, we should be able to record one more time. <laughs> so we're just call us. You, you, we know who you Let's are. be a little bit Is more it? optimistic and say <laughs> that we would have episodes for the next few years. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm always amazed, and I mm-hmm. say it every time. I'm always amazed at how these numbers are, are demonstrating that people are, in fact, listening. And every day somebody will come and, and say something, and it just means the world to us. That means the we're not podcast. Out, yeah, the podcast. It just means we're not out here by ourselves, mm-hmm. right. that we're all struggling, and we all need to hear somebody else say what we are thinking and then maybe offer up some way of thinking about it differently. So I'm grateful to you, Mike, for just that. And uh, Nathan, I'm going to give you the uh, parting opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much again for listening. Be sure to hit that five star. Please sure to visit youldietrying.com or facebook.com forward slash youldietrying. Be sure to shoot us an email at youldietryingpodcast at gmail.com. You're so good at that. Thank you. It's your spiritual gift. Is it? Yeah. Thank you. I'm Jonathan. I'm Nathan. I'm Mike. This is... You'll die trying. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>